You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. And it's good to be back with you guys. Uh, We've been talking about the last several weeks that we were starting a brand new series called Masterpiece in Progress. And this series is actually going to be a walk through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to do that together over the next nine weeks. And what we're going to see is how God has designed us to live in community with him and with other people. We're going to see how God is continuously working and how we can continuously start living more and more like him. And I just think since we just talked about breakthrough, that the next step in the process, once we experience that breakthrough, is to begin to to get closer and closer to Jesus, begin to live more and more like he has called us to live. So as we talk about the book of Ephesians, I just want to give you just a, a few quick points about the book itself. So this letter was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. This is one of four letters that he wrote that are referred to as the prison epistles, uh, along with Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. This um, is the fourth in that. This was written approximately around 60 AD. Um, So it was about 30 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, and it was just really a few years before Paul himself was killed. And although the, the name of this is Ephesians, it's widely believed and accepted that Paul actually wrote this letter as a circular letter. So it actually circled different churches and it just landed in Ephesus. And that's why the name is Ephesians. So this was really written to the church in general. So it was written to Christ followers to tell them how to become more like Jesus. So it's it's very important for us to know this morning that this book was written to the church with a capital C, the Christ follower. And then as we continue to dig deeper, we can see how this really propels us into a more intimate relationship with Jesus. So Paul served in Ephesus for about three years. Uh, people's lives started to change. So we see this in the book of Acts. And So many people were converting over to following after Jesus that the the bigwigs in Ephesus no longer wanted Paul there because these people were abandoning the idols that they were worshiping, the, the money they were spending in the city on things that weren't of God because they were being converted over to Jesus' followers. So Paul, after three years, was no longer welcome there, so he went off to Macedonia, and then he ends up in prison. And then we have this letter being circulated around. So that's where we are this morning. We're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to start in verse 3, actually. Uh, but my prayer for us this morning is that as we dig into this, that our hearts begin to align more with the heart of God. That is my prayer for us through this study. So over the next nine weeks, my prayer for myself and for every single person in this room is that our hearts begin to align more and more with the heart of God, that we begin to live a life that is in intimacy with God, that we begin to 
to see things in our life that we've never really seen before. And, and we begin to see things in a different way than we've ever seen them before. So that's, that's my prayer for us this morning. And we're going to start in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God, I just come to you, Lord, just praying that you do what only you can do. God, I pray that lives are changed this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you had no clue really what they were talking about? So there's some topics in life that we're just not well versed in. And when we have a conversation with someone on these topics, we get so lost that we have no clue what's going on. So this happens to me a lot. So my, my father-in-law is a, is a big uh, car guy. He knows everything about cars, and if he doesn't know it, he can research it, and then he'll know it. So anytime he has to fix my wife's car, I'm grateful that he does that. But then he wants to tell me what he's done. And in my mind, I have no clue what he's talking about. So I know that you turn the key and it cranks the car. The gas pedal makes it go, the brake makes it stop, and you need gas in the car. So the, and oil. That's about all, that's my knowledge of cars. So he begins to tell me all this stuff he does, and I guess I could say, hey, I really have no clue what you're talking about. Uh, I'm, I'm confused, and this just isn't my lane. But I, you could call it pride. I will not do that. I will continue to pretend that I know what he's talking about. I think he can see through that, but he continues to explain anyway. So I'm going to continue to pretend, even though I have no idea what he's talking about when it comes to cars. I'm just grateful that he is close enough where he can fix our cars when we need them fixed. I remember in seminary, uh, I was taking a class called apologetics. Now, apologetics is the defense of Christianity, and I had a professor who was a, a pretty big deal. Actually, the textbook in that course was written by the professor that I had. So here's a, a young guy from Hepzibah who had never even heard the word apologetics before, and now I'm in seminary with a guy who's written numerous books on this topic, and he's teaching me what it means to defend Christianity. So to me, defending Christianity was just saying, hey, I'm a Christian, this is what the Bible says. But there was so much more to it, and I was so lost. So the beginning of that course was like Mandarin to me. I had no clue what was going on. Really, if they would have known how much I didn't know, they may have kicked me out of seminary. Like That's how bad it was. There's just topics in life that we don't know much about. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we get to that point where we just don't know much about what God's trying to do. We don't know much about his plan. We don't know much about what our purpose is in life. And we get to a point where we just start pretending to get it. And I think it's, it's pivotal for us to, to dig in and actually know what it is that God's plan is and to know what our purpose is as Christ followers so that we can begin to fulfill that purpose and we know what's going on around us. So thankfully, Paul writes this letter, and this letter is exactly that. It's really just explaining the purpose of God, 
and explaining what our purpose is as Christians. Now, there's, there's some verses that we'll see that don't really seem like it makes a lot of sense. And what we're going to do is we're just going to break those down and actually see that it really is simple once we can kind of dig in and break it down a little bit. And again, my prayer through this series is that we just align our hearts more with God. So we see in verse 3 and 4, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So I want to I want to stop after these verses really quick because I want you to see that Paul is emphatically saying in this verse 3 that God is blessing. So a lot of times we talk about how God blesses, but Paul is saying here that God is blessing. This is his character. So because his character is blessing, he wants to pour blessing out on us. It's just like people say, hey, the the character of God is love. God is love, so he pours love out. It's the same thing with blessing. God is blessing, so his desire is to bless us. And he does that through Jesus, as we see here. And then we see in verse 4, it says, even as he chose us in him. So throughout this series, where you're going to see chose, elected, predestined numerous times. So I think it's really important for us to at least break this down just a little bit so you understand the concept of predestination or election. And there's, there's two widely accepted views on election, on predestination. And I want us to, to quickly touch those. And one is individual election. The other is corporate election. Now I'm going to try to give you an analogy so we can really understand the difference between these two. So individual election is basically that God arbitrarily chooses who can be saved and who can't. He, he chooses individuals to, to receive salvation, and then he chooses individuals not to receive salvation. So that is the concept of individual election. And then the other view is corporate election, which says that God has elected the church to receive eternity in heaven, but it's up to the individual to receive salvation. So because of the free will of people, they can choose salvation, and then because God has elected the church corporately, the Christ followers, they get to experience the fullness of what God has for them. So these are the, the two views, and I really want to give you an example of a, of a plane, kind of. So let's say that we have an airplane, and both instances, the destination of this airplane is heaven. That's the destination. It's predestined, it's determined to go to heaven. So individual election would say that God chooses who gets on the plane. And the only people that can get on the plane are who God chooses. Corporate election says that the destination is still heaven, but it's up to the individual to get on the plane. God's not going to decide who does that. It's open to anyone who gets on the plane. Those are the two views. And I don't want to dig too too much farther into that because we could talk about that all morning, but I just want to tell you where I land on this. So where I land is that our God is a God of love. Our God is a God who sent his son to die for the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, yes, we're elected as the church to receive eternity in heaven. 
But it's up to us as individuals to make that decision to follow after Jesus. So I land on the side of corporate election. But here's what's important. No matter which side you land on, we must understand that the focal point is Jesus. In both, both instances, the focal point is Jesus. It says that he chose us in who? In him. He chose us in him. In verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So here we have God choosing us in Jesus. It's not because of us. The focus is always on Jesus. So we're chosen because of what God has done through Jesus. We, we get to experience the things that we get to experience as Christ followers, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. But because of who Jesus is, we get to experience these things. And in him means that we have actually began to follow Jesus. So in verse 13 that we just read, it says, In him you also, so this is when you become in him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. So when we believe in Jesus, when we begin to follow after him, when we begin a relationship with him, then we become the elect in him. Then we become the, the passenger on the plane with the destination of eternal life with God the Father in heaven. So it's important for us to understand this morning that no matter if you believe that God chooses who gets saved or that it's free will and the individual gets to choose, the focus is on Jesus, and no matter what, it's because of what he's done that people can even experience salvation. So I want to give you some things that we've been given as Christ followers. Because this morning, I think it's important for us to know where we are as Christians. It's important for us to know what God has poured out on us. It says that he's given us every spiritual blessing. That he's given us these things. And a lot of times we don't live life in a way that, that shows that we understand this. We don't live life understanding that we've been giving these, these blessings from God. So verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. So number one, we've been given adoption. There was a time in your life, maybe it's even now, that spiritually you were fatherless. That spiritually you had no, no father, no hope, no light, only darkness, wandering around with no home, no family. And God, through Jesus, said, hey, once you become in Him, once you believed, once you began a relationship with Him, then you are now adopted into the family of God. You are now a part of God's family. We've received adoption through Him. That's number one. That's something that we've been given as Christ followers. Let's continue to read. Verse 6 says, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom 
insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So I know that's a lot and it's a mouthful, but I want you to know the second thing that we've been given is redemption. Once we become in him, once we've started a relationship with Jesus, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been forgiven. And we aren't redeemed by his life. We're redeemed by his blood. So yes, he came and he lived a perfect life. But redemption came on the cross. Redemption came when he defeated death three days later. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And it's important for us to get this. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Someone who loved us enough to die for us. Someone who left his heavenly home, his home of splendor, and came to an earth to be treated like dirt, to be mocked and ridiculed, to ultimately be beaten and put to death. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And we've been given redemption by his blood. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. So not only have we been adopted into the family of God, not only have we been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, but we have an, an inheritance. Oh man, this inheritance is one of eternal value. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest and admit to you that there may have been times in my life where I hope that one point I may get an inheritance from some family members. But the thing is, I've never had any family members that were rich. So I've never received an inheritance. But here's the deal, and here's what I've learned over time, is that I have the, the best inheritance that I could ever have. I have the inheritance of eternal life with a God who loves me, with a God who sent His Son to die for me, with a God who's adopted me into His family. I have an inheritance that never ends. It never runs dry. It never runs out. It's eternal. To spend forever with God. To forever worship Him. To forever praise Him. To forever be in awe of who He is and what He's done. And in Him, as believers, you also have that inheritance. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And you have an inheritance of eternal value. 
Verse 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So number four, we have been given security. We've been given security. It says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That once we begin a relationship with Jesus, we've been sealed, not by what we've done, but by who he is. It's it's done. It's finished. It's sealed. Verse 14 says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? And the the Greek word for guarantee here is an economic term, which really means a down payment. So in essence, this this is what it's like. He is the down payment for our eternal life. He has he has paid the down payment that we will get in full when we get into eternity. He's paid it. And it's sealed by that. It's sealed by what He's done. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Then how awesome is it that once we are in Him, once we begin to follow Jesus, once we have a a true relationship with, with him, that we are adopted into his family, that we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that we have an inheritance that's sealed and secured by the Holy Spirit. Do we live in that way as Christ followers? Do we we live in a way that, that shows that we understand who we are in Christ? I'm afraid that a lot of times we begin to to see who we are in in and of ourselves. That we begin to allow our weaknesses to define who we are and how we live. That we begin to allow our shortcomings and, and struggles to define the type of decisions that we make. That we begin to allow who we've become as humans with sinful natures to dictate our future. When in fact, Paul teaches us that in him, in Christ, that now we're a part of the family of God. That we've been redeemed. That we no longer have to live in guilt and shame because we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. That we're not just poor humans but we're rich citizens of heaven with an inheritance of eternal value. And one of the biggest things that I believe the enemy tries to do is to to get us to doubt our salvation. Get us to doubt that the decision that we made to follow Jesus was real. And that because of sin and because of mistakes that we've somehow lost any type of salvation that we had. And we see right here that once we're in Him, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's no losing it once you get it. And that's encouraging this morning to know that we didn't do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to get rid of it. 
God gave it to us, and God secured it. He's already paid for it. And man, we get to experience the fullness of it in eternity. Those are four things that we have been given as Christ followers. That's the type of life we should be living. We should be living in these truths, understanding this. So we're a masterpiece in progress, which we'll see in chapter 2 where it says that we are God's workmanship, that He continues to just do work on us. But it's important that we start with the foundation of this, that the focal point is Jesus, and the center of it all is the cross. And because of that, we're adopted, redeemed, we have an inheritance and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's where we start. Because we're in Him, that's the foundation of our life. That's the foundation of, of living a life in intimacy with God. And Paul tells us two things in these 14 verses that I think that we need to, to touch on this morning. He, he gives us the ultimate purpose of God. And then he gives us the ultimate purpose of man. How many of you have ever wondered what your purpose was in life? And I still wonder that sometimes. Especially when my three kids are just running around like crazy. And I'm like, man, what is my purpose here? What am I doing? I'm not sure God meant to give me these three kids. I'm not sure I'm cut out for it. And man, let me tell you what, Paul tells us the answer. A lot of times I'm wondering, God, what are you doing? What are your plans? What's your purpose behind this? I, I told you last week that I'm just an analytical thinker, that I want things to make sense. It's got to be logical to me. And then Paul says, well, here's your answer. Let me tell you the answer. So God's ultimate purpose is to unite all things to himself. God's ultimate purpose is to unite all things to himself. Verses 9 and 10 show us this. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is the mystery of his will, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So because of our free will, we talked about this in our filter series, that we... We're, we're sinners. We looked at Eve and how she was tempted by the serpent, and we saw how sin entered the world. And ever since then, creation has been all jacked up. Creation has been a mess, and it seems to just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And the ultimate purpose of God is to unite all things back together to Himself. So everything that He does is because of that purpose. It's to unite all things back to himself through Jesus. So he sends Jesus to live a perfect life. He sends Jesus to die on a cross for us. Why? So that we could be adopted into the family, so that we could be redeemed, so that he could bring us back to himself, so that he could unify creation. That's his ultimate purpose. If you're ever wondering what God's doing, that's the answer. The things going on, even though it may not make sense to us, 
And we may not see how unity is happening. We may not see how things are being unified. The ultimate purpose of God is to bring unity in all things. And I'm not telling you that's going to help you feel better about stuff that's going on. I'm just telling you that's the truth of Scripture, is that that's his ultimate purpose, is to unite all things. We're going to see as we move through this book that he tore down walls of division. We're going to see that he is about unity in the relationship that we have with him, the relationship that we have at home, the relationship that we have at work, the relationship that we have with our kids, the relationship that we have in the community. He's all about community and unity through Jesus. That's the purpose of God. And then we see our ultimate purpose. And our ultimate purpose is to bring him praise and glory. And we see that here in verse 6 and 12. It says, To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. And then verse 12 says, So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Our purpose is to bring him praise and glory. Our purpose in life is to bring glory to God. And we fail at that a lot of times. But I think it would, it would be beneficial for us if we could begin to live with the foundation that we're a part of God's family, that we've been redeemed, that we have an inheritance, and that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's, that is enough to give God glory and praise every single day of our lives. Man, God is, and he's just some, something that we're, someone we're never going to understand completely. But at least we have a, a, an understanding of who he is in our limited capacity and an understanding of who we are because of him. And when we can begin to live in that, then we can begin to align our hearts with His. We begin to become more intimate with Him. And you know the old saying, the more you know someone, the more you love someone, right? So the more you you know your spouse, the, the more you love your spouse. Hopefully, I think sometimes it might work the opposite way. The more you love or know someone, the less you love them. I don't know. The more you love God, or the more you know God, the more you're going to love Him. I'm telling you, the more that you can just dig in and realize that He is for you, that He is blessing, and that He wants to pour that blessing out on you. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to teach a prosperity lifestyle here. I'm trying to tell you that God wants to bless you through Jesus. That He wants you to have adoption and redemption and an inheritance, and He wants to seal you with the Holy Spirit. And He wants to bless you with eternal value because He is blessing. 
And that's cause for celebration. It's cause for praise. And He gets the glory for all of that. And then, we're not going to read these last few verses, but in verses 15 through 23 that ends chapter 1, we see that Paul begins to, to pray for his audience. And he prays for them to have wisdom from God, that they can understand the things of God. That they begin to understand that they have hope and assurance in Him. And that's my prayer for us this morning, is that we, we gain wisdom from heaven, that we understand the things of God, that we understand that we are a part of His family because of redemption, because of His grace and mercy and love. We have an inheritance that's sealed, that's been paid for by the Holy Spirit. So as we close this morning, and I, I, want, you to, I want you to see, I want you to see that how having this foundation can propel us to walk holy and blameless before Him. So if we go back to the beginning of this, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Man, and this is, this is something that I never understood growing up. Because there's no way that I can be holy and blameless before God. I have a heart that is filthy. I have a heart that is wicked and deceitful above all else. And I want you to know that even though I'm standing up here, I still have that. There's still no way that Dustin can be holy and blameless before God. But again, I want you to understand that He chose us in Him. He chose us in Jesus. So because of Jesus, we can be holy and blameless before God. Because He chose us, not because of us, but because of Jesus. And we should try. We should shoot for holiness. We should shoot for perfection. But in and of ourselves, we'll never be able to obtain it. And it's a good thing that He didn't choose us because of us that He chose us because of Jesus. That He gets to see Jesus when He looks at us because we're in Him. He doesn't have to see the dirty, filthy Dustin. He doesn't have to see the wickedness of my heart. He gets to see the blood of Jesus that has redeemed us. 
The blood of Jesus makes us holy and blameless before God. Nothing that we could ever do. The thing that we offer is a sinful life and a step of faith. And I'm telling you what, I want to be on the plane. And I've made the decision to punch my ticket. So I'm on the passenger log. And I'm, I'm destined for eternal life. And this morning, my question for you is, are you on the plane? Have you started a relationship with Jesus? Not do you know about him. Not do you know some church words and some stuff like that. I want to know, have you started a relationship with Jesus? Have you been adopted into the family of God? Have you truly been redeemed? Because although his blood was shed for all people, redemption comes by accepting him. It's a decision that we have to make. Man, he's already predestined the plane to go to heaven. It's up to us to get on. So as you stand with me this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond where you are this morning. I'm just going to pray with you. But there's some people in here that maybe have never gotten on the plane. They're not on the flight log. And this morning is the day that you make that decision to say, hey, I want to be in Him. and I want to be adopted into the family of God. I've been wandering around lost, and I'm ready to be a part of the family. I'm ready to experience and receive the redemption of Jesus. I want the inheritance. I'm ready for the eternal value. And when you make that decision, I want you to know and be encouraged by the fact that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some of you this morning that you're on the plane, but you just really haven't been living in the truth of who you are in Him. And that makes all the difference in the way that we live our lives. And this morning, you need to make the decision to begin to live in the truth of who you are as a child of God. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.